Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I know you're paying attention to global events. Wars bubbling up everywhere. Countries are buying and hoarding mass amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our heads in the sand either. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. 833-995-G-O-L-D. Hey, it's Danielle, Will, and Ryder from Pod Meets World. Thanks to our friends at Hyundai, we were able to record a very special episode for you guys at the one and only, wait for it, Boy Meets World House. Take a listen. Are there any moments or spots on any of the sets we worked on over the seven years that you guys felt more at home that were like your little spots on the set you like to hang out? I'm afraid it was the sink. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, yeah. You had to act <laughs> by the sink a lot. lot. Yeah. I was behind the counter. Yeah. Right. Doing business constantly. Uh-huh. Mom stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> Disciplining you. <laughs> Amazing. In some way. This has been brought to you by the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. New episode out now. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. The 2024 election is upon us, and now is the time to fight back against the war on masculinity in American society today. Thankfully, the patriots at Chalk, C-H-O-Q, are here to help real American men maximize their masculinity by boosting testosterone levels up to 20% over 90 days. I've been taking a male vitality stack from Chalk for like three years now. It is incredible. They are here to help make American men strong again. Testosterone. Testosterone fueled again. Maximize your masculinity today at choq.com. Use the code Jesse for a massive discount on any chalk subscription for life. Choq.com code Jesse. Limited time offer. Subscription cancelable at any time. You don't have to dip forever. You know that, right? You don't have to smoke forever. And the reason I say it like that is I have been that guy. I, I've been that guy. I dipped for so long. And what would happen is I would decide I'm going to quit. Oh, that's bad for me. I'm going to quit. I'm a man. I don't need any help. I'm just going to quit cold turkey. And I would fail time and time and time again. I tried things like the patch. That didn't work. Gum, sunflower seeds. I, I tried it all. It's just a matter of finding the right thing to help you quit. That's Jake's Mint Chew. Go, put in your dip. Just make sure it's Jake's Mint Chew. It's tobacco-free, it's nicotine-free, it's even sugar-free. And I highly recommend, just a personal choice, I highly recommend their CBD pouches because it really helps take that extra edge off. Get a jakesmintchew.com. That's Jake's Mint 
chew.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE at checkout. When you do that, you get 10% off. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. I don't think people understand how close we were to the world ending. I really don't think people understand how close we were. And we are going to discuss that. The one and only time in the history of mankind, the world was a breath away from ending. We're going to talk about it today. We're going to talk about... The vaccine, now we need it annually? I'm going to tell you finally, I've I've read a million things on it, seen a million things on it. I'm going to tell you today what I think actually happened at the Capitol that day on the 6th. The Super Bowl viewership numbers tell you something interesting. I'm going to tell you what it should tell you. But first, let us go to the 1960s, to the Cold War, to Khrushchev, to JFK. And I have a couple big fat disclaimers I'm going to slap on the front of this show, and both of them are almost undoubtedly going to disappoint you, but that's what I do. One, Khrushchev. It's been established. I hate Communists and communism with with the fire of a thousand suns. That said, you're going to sense an affinity I have for Khrushchev during this story. And it's not that I have an affinity for Khrushchev. I'm just more sympathetic to Khrushchev than I am most, if not all, of the other Soviet leaders. Specifically because of this story. And I'll explain why in a little bit. Not like I'm a fan, but I'll explain why. Two, I am a JFK fan. A lot of that is his World War II background. I understand. Look, you save the email now, although you're welcome to write it, I guess. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. You're welcome to call 877-377-4373. You're welcome to yell at me. You're welcome to disagree. I'm not saying I'm right. I understand about the corruption and the and the philandering and and the, and I get I get all that I I get it all, all that is legitimate. But fine. What he did in World War II, I thought was freaking awesome. I thought it was impressive. His ship went down, while he was injured, he put his man's life jacket rope, who couldn't swim, in his teeth and swam the man to shore. He then took off to go get more help, putting himself at risk. Yes, I think that's what all officers should do. I think that's leadership. Many people do not. I think it shows something. That's one. Two, during this story I'm about to tell you today, one many of you already know, I just think the guy was simply phenomenal. Simply phenomenal. And how many men can possibly lay claim to the fact they stopped the ending of the world? 
maybe two, Khrushchev and Kennedy. And that's the truth of it. And that's the truth of it. Let's do a little rewind. We know where we're at in the Cold War, so I don't have to break that down for anybody who listens to this show. Post-World War II, Soviets, very, very, very aggressive, very communist, spreading their ideology around the world. They want, remember, communists, then and now, want the entire world. Communism must be for everybody. That's a base part of the ideology. It just has to be for everyone. So they were aggressively moving. We, the United States of America, were aggressively trying to stop them or contain them. And that involved a couple things. One of the things it involved, which is going to play a big, big part in our story today, was placing Jupiter missiles in Turkey. I know you're probably not a a geographer professionally, but go ahead and look up Turkey. You see where Turkey is? Does that seem like Jupiter missiles in Turkey would possibly be something the Soviet Union would not appreciate? Oh, and they were aimed at the Soviet Union. And it was more than just Jupiter missiles in Turkey. We had a large military presence surrounding the Soviet Union on virtually all sides. And when I say military presence, I mean this. Gigantic American bombers carrying tons and tons of high explosives. I am not going to defend the communism today, but pause for a moment and put yourself in their shoes. You wake up this morning, wherever you live, and you kind of see a little dot in the sky. It's way, way up there. And you know, you've been informed and you know that is a gigantic Chinese bomber with tons and tons of high explosive bombs inside of it. Does that change your perspective at all? Would you, as an American citizen, consider that to be a bit too aggressive? Would that make you uneasy? Would you be demanding, as a citizen, would you be demanding your government do something about that? Uh, Are we just going to let them do that? No. No, you would not. You would not want them to just be allowed to do that. You would want the federal government to step in in some way. Not not going to defend the commies today, but there's there's a big two sides of every coin here. Now let's go to a place called Cuba. Castro, 1959, Fidel Castro, everybody knows, does a revolution in Cuba. And prior to Castro, you should understand this. Remember, the Spanish, Spain once controlled Cuba. Then we fight a war there. We run the Spanish out. When their empire is, is going down the toilet, ours is rising We go down there, we fight a war, we, air fingers quote, liberate Cuba, which we did. But, look, colonial powers are colonial powers. Yeah, we liberated Cuba. Oh, no, 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 you you should have your own thing. I mean, we're going to stay here. And yeah, we're going to, we're going to, 
we're going to want some things. Remember how big sugar is, sugar cane is? It's all over Cuba, and the world is obsessed with it. So we wanted, we wanted some influence there. Now, I don't want to act like America putting its influence on other people is just as you know severe as the Soviet Union coming in and taking over a country. It's not. Ours is softer, but it's still there, and an independent people are going to chafe under that. And the Cubans really, really chafed under that. They did. And understandably so. Fine. Eventually, this leads to a revolution. Castro comes in, takes over. And one of the first things Castro does is really run out everything Americans loved about Cuba. It's hard for us to think about this now. We don't think about it in this way. Cuba was the Caribbean vacation destination pre-Castro. It was the luxurious, gorgeous, tropical. Have you ever seen Cuban women? I mean, it was just, it was just that. I mean, it was that beautiful island paradise. The casinos were huge down there, as you well know. I geek out on the mafia because I'm a dude. The American mafia made so much money on their mob-controlled casinos down there. So it was a big deal. Castro comes in, runs out the mob, runs that, runs out all that. He's done with it all. America is angry. America decides to do something about it. That doesn't go very well. All right, we have to talk about this vaccine. We'll get to that in a little bit, too. Hang on. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. Like a stain on your brain, you can't get out. Jake's Mint Chews. Listen to me and listen well. I dipped for a long time. A long time. And when I say dip, yes, I'm talking about that pinch of nasty tobacco and putting it in your lip. And let me just give it to you straight here. You know, I give it to you honestly. I loved it. And I mean, I absolutely loved it. I didn't want to quit. And I've heard all the tale. You have to quit. You have to quit. And you do. You have to quit. But I couldn't just stop it because I loved it so much. I needed something healthy to replace it with. That's why I'm glad I found Jake's Mint Chew. Go to jakesmintchew.com. There's no nicotine, no tobacco. It's even sugar-free. jakesmintchew.com. Use the promo code JESSE. That gets you 20% off. That's promo code JESSE. JakesMintChew.com. Go quit today. Missed out? Catch up. JesseKellyShow.com. You want to know what really happened at the Capitol? According to me, I'm going to tell you here in just a little bit. But first, the Kennedys take over. Castro, we have communism right there in Cuba. Not good. 
America is extremely worried about communist aggression. They want the communists out of Cuba. And honestly, if we're being honest with ourselves, there's some personal and financial interest in having Cuba being friendly to the United States of America. Again, it was a bit of a honey hole. So the Bay of Pigs happened. And I will do a show on the Bay of Pigs at another time. There's way too much of this story to tell today. I don't have time, but the Bay of Pigs was a humongous, embarrassing failure. And it was a humongous, embarrassing failure because John F. Kennedy brought in military guys and CIA guys and asked them what he should do, and they told him what he should do, and then he did it. That is rarely, rarely the smart thing. He listened to them, he did what they said, and they screwed the entire thing up, and it was an international embarrassment. And Fidel Castro now looks like the lion who took on the United States of America and won. Castro now is a bit obsessed with the United States of America and thinks we're going to come back. Why does he think this? Well, that's because we want to come back and we keep trying to kill him. We have we tried to assassinate Fidel Castro more times than I can possibly count. We were just always trying to kill the guy. Milkshakes, cigars, and there was always a plan to try and kill Fidel Castro. We're poisoning sugarcane fields. It, it, it was we were trying to murder him and he knew it. And the Soviet Union obviously liked what they saw for the most part, in this Castro-Cuba guy. One, oh, this communism stuff looks nice, even though Castro called himself a socialist. They're all the same. That's one. Two, well, he stood up to the United States of America. And if the Americans hate him and the Americans want to kill him, maybe we should take him under our wing. So Khrushchev takes Castro under his wing, kind of. And the reason I keep saying kind of is Khrushchev was always aware Castro was his own man. There were a lot of communist, quote, leaders at this time who were nothing more than Soviet puppets. Fidel Castro was not one of them. Fidel Castro was very much his own man. Wanted Soviet help, accepted Soviet help, was more than happy to fight the United States with the Soviet Union, so on and so forth. But he was his own dude, and Khrushchev was aware of this fact. But the story goes, <sighs> Khrushchev wanted missiles, nuclear missiles, in Cuba as a response to our missiles in Turkey. And see, Chris is already raising his hands up of kind of understandable, and let's be frank here, people. Kind of understandable, right? Kind of understandable. Khrushchev very much, though, does not want to publicize that they're building missile silos and sending nuclear weapons to Cuba. He does not want it public. Khrushchev wants it secret. In fact, they sent something like 42,000 Soviet personnel 
to Cuba and all and, and 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 more equipment than you can imagine in secret. They'd hide them in cargo ships. It's actually a really fascinating tale. It's a fascinating smuggling tale because they knew we were watching everything coming into Cuba. We were keenly aware of it. Khrushchev wants this kept quiet for a couple different reasons. One, he doesn't want America to know about the building of these missile launch places until they're done. And two, Khrushchev, by every account, there's not a different account of this, Khrushchev did not want to provoke the United States of America. He was not, in his mind, escalating things. He was, in his mind, trying to show force so we would back down. Khrushchev is famous because this is the time where every, we're, we're building nuclear weapons and Soviets are building nuclear weapons. Right? This is that big nuclear buildup in the, in the Cold War. And Khrushchev is famous for publicly saying things like, we're, we're making nuclear missiles like, like, like sausages. Just they're, they're cranking them out is what he's saying. Only that wasn't true at all. Oh, they were building them, but they were they were not building them at all, like what he said. And he had people tell him his own son came up and said, "What, Dad, what are you talking about? No, we're not. And Khrushchev told his own son, no, we're not. But it is critical that the Americans think we are so they won't get too aggressive. I can't stress this enough, and this is going to come up again during this story. During the Cold War, Yes, we were the good guys and the dirty communists were the bad guys. There's no question about it. But understand this. From a Soviet perspective, all of them say, uh, you guys were the aggressive ones. We here in America think about the big, ugly, dirty Soviets doing this and doing that. And look how aggressive they are with the spying. And look, a lot of that's true, too. But in the Soviet mind, dude, you've got missiles on our border. You've got planes overhead. You're the one, and they said it, Khrushchev said it all the time, you're the one who nuked somebody. I've never nuked anybody. It's got to be a good point, right? And they think we'll use it again. And America was, America has what's called, here's a little inside baseball stuff for you here. Just know America has, and not every country who has nuclear weapons has this, America has a first use policy on nuclear weapons. A lot of nuclear nations do not have this. America's philosophy is, if I think you're going to use yours, I will use mine first. Period. A lot of nations do not. Even China, which that's what they say, but even China has a second use. No, 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 no. You shoot first, then we'll shoot. We'll get more to that in a second. So we obviously didn't know about these silos, about these launch sites being built, until we fly U-2 spy planes over Cuba. We come back with pictures. It's film. And wait, what? What are these? These look like, are those nuclear missiles? So remember this. It, it's We like to picture everything like it's the fancy movies now where they have a satellite that can read, you know, a playing card in your hand from outer space. no. These were planes flying at 70,000 feet. I'm not making that up. And they see what look like missiles on the ground. But then they have to figure out what kind of missiles they are because all missiles are not the same. They do a little compare and contrast. They figure out, oh, my gosh, these are 
These are Soviet missiles, like the kind they put nuclear warheads on. This is this information is brought to JFK when he is in his bed. It is that critical. It is the uh, boss. I need to come in. I need to come in right now. This is important. This is an escalation that is unreal. In Kennedy's mind, he can't believe this is happening. And part of the reason this is happening is Kennedy's fault. A lot of people don't know this side of the story. But it's quite a step, right? If you're Khrushchev, even if you're trying to do it as a deterrent, moving missiles, nuclear weapons to within miles of the U.S., why would you do it? Well, I'm going to tell you why he did it, and it's going to be a good lesson for all of us. And we're going to talk about why, the real reason why those Super Bowl numbers were low. Hang on. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen. For late nights writing English papers. For your teen's music taste. For dinners, where they talk more on their phone than with you. For the first time, they call you mom. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen, and you can't imagine the reward. To learn more about adopting a teen, visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. Ladies and gentlemen, we have arrived in Philadelphia. Local time is 3.05 p.m. and the temperature is 67 degrees. At this time, you are now free to use your cellular devices. You know that feeling when you get to turn your phone on after the plane lands? You can have that feeling every time you drive. Make sure your cell phone is stowed away whenever you are behind the wheel. Visit StopTextStopRex.org, a message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. You can find me on social media at Jesse Kelly DC on Twitter, Instagram, on Facebook. I finally started the whole locals thing there. You're welcome to go on over to locals. Remember, all, most of my stuff on that locals thing is going to be free, so don't worry about that pay to subscribe thing unless you want. Like, I'm going to do a video uh, every day or every two days for anybody who wants to pay to subscribe. I'm not over there to make money, but I'll, I'll, I'm definitely going to do something for the people who subscribe. Ain't no big deal. No big deal. 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. What happened? Why did Khrushchev feel like he could get the missiles into Cuba and it would end up being okay? Because Khrushchev met John F. Kennedy. And the story is kind of famous, but they had met very early on. JFK was... Look, he's not some pillow soft loser. Like I said, dude was a war hero. But he was a politician. And JFK was, you know, a good looking dude, used to charming the pants off of everybody, quite literally, some of the time, frankly. And JFK meets Khrushchev, and Khrushchev is the Russian's Russian. Khrushchev meets with JFK and walks out of there thinking, this guy's soft. 
this guy's pillow soft. And that's why he felt comfortable with it. The show of strength or show of weakness, GOP, the show of weakness has real costs. The show of weakness almost ended the world. Remember that. Remember that. Real costs. Now, we did find out about the missiles, obviously. At first, we did not tell the public and we did not tell the Soviets that our planes had picked up on the missiles. It is an all-hands-on-deck meeting for JFK. It's his brother who, as you know, he trusted a lot. It's all the Joint Chiefs. It's everybody else. Robert McNamara, everybody. Everyone come in. Come in and tell me what you think. Let's have a big meeting. And this is advice JFK had gotten from, of all people, Dwight Eisenhower. Obviously, former general, former president, Dwight Eisenhower. After the Bay of Pigs, JFK met with Eisenhower. And Eisenhower was asking him, well, what? What did you do? Did you did you have a big meeting with everyone where everyone discussed everything? And JFK said, well, no, I just, I, I had some military guys tell me that I should do this. And so that's what I did. And Eisenhower said, no, 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 no. You, you trusted just the generals? And this is from Eisenhower. He's like, no, no, no. You have everybody in the room and everybody's going to hash it out. But. Kennedy gets all his people in the room and every single one of his generals said, we have to attack and we have to attack right now. Picture what this moment is like. What was he? 30 some years old, Chris, maybe early forties. I forget forties. You're a relatively young man. Still you have brass in front of you. You have generals in front of you. Ask yourself how you would handle with this guy, Air Force, Navy, Army. And these guys are not only generals. You're staring at a list of medals and ribbons on their chest. These guys, this is 1961. These guys are all seasoned combat veterans by now. These are men you automatically will assign some level of respect to, and not just one of them. All of them are saying, you have to attack right now. Some of, some of Kennedy's more dovish advisors are saying, you have to attack right now. To which Kennedy starts peppering the questions out there. Okay, well... If we attack, because what they meant by attack was bombing. Air Force planes overhead dropping bombs on. Kennedy asks, he he asks his Air Force general, can you guarantee me if we bomb these missile sites, we will get every single one of them? Because he knows if he doesn't, remember, these things are 15 minutes away from Washington, D.C., glowing in the dark. Kennedy asks, can you guarantee me this? And the general says, no, absolutely not. We don't know if we'll hit all the ones we go after because it's an imprecise thing. And we don't know 
if we know where all of them are. Remember, like I said earlier, it's not like in the movies where you just automatically know stuff. You have to see it or have on-the-ground intelligence of it. There's stuff out there right now that we don't know about. It's just a fact. It is. Eyes and ears intelligence are so important. Kennedy can't get the assurances he wants. So, Kennedy goes on television. And Kennedy addresses the American people and the Soviet Union at the same time. There, there's, an interesting, there's an interesting dynamic at play here. Because you have Khrushchev and you have the commies, you have the Soviets. And you have our government. And you think, like you and I think, I have to say, wait, you think, well, yeah, there's some tension, but they're obviously, they're talking. I mean, I'm sure they're, they're on the phone with each other or something, right? Swapping emails, maybe a quick text. Hey, Khrushchev, you suck. You know, something. No. There wasn't communication at this point. Kennedy makes an announcement. He's going to address the American people. And not only did 100 million Americans gather around the television set to watch this, and to this day, I think it's the second most watched presidential address ever. 100 million Americans gather around the television to watch this. Khrushchev does too. While the American people are watching this, Khrushchev and the leaders in the Soviet Union gather around the television as well to find out what the American response is going to be. Shall be the policy of this nation to regard any nuclear missile launched from Cuba against any nation in the Western Hemisphere as an attack by the Soviet Union on the United States requiring a full retaliatory response upon the Soviet Union. I call upon Chairman Khrushchev to haul and eliminate this clandestine, reckless, and provocative threat to world peace and to stable relations between our two nations. How about that from the man himself? And it was obviously longer than that. Encourage you to listen to the whole thing if you would like. It's actually a fascinating thing when you consider that what the stakes were when Kennedy gave this speech. But Kennedy chooses to ignore his generals. Kennedy, because of the failures of the Bay of Pigs, because of failures of his father, JFK's father was the American ambassador to Britain telling Neville Chamberlain, don't worry about this Hitler guy, back off. And this was brought up to JFK, what his father had done. He was blamed for this. It had pointed at him. JFK announces a different route. He says, no, we're not going to attack. We're not going to do nothing. We're going to blockade Cuba. We are going to use our gigantic, powerful Navy, and we are going to make sure this stuff stops now. Nothing else is coming in, period, end of story. JFK announces the blockade. And, and remember this, by now, we know there are missiles in Cuba. We don't necessarily know whether or not there are nuclear warheads with said missiles in Cuba. And you want to know the truth? What was there in Cuba? I'll tell you the truth. Hang on.
Kelly. You're listening to The Jesse Kelly Show. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm-mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. <clears throat> Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. <sighs> Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. We've got Kimberly Klasik coming up next hour, that candidate who ran in Democrat heaven, Baltimore. And how often do I tell you to mark something down, you have to stay and listen to it? I tried to get him earlier in the show so you wouldn't have to wait till later in the show. Uh, This is the best I could do. I'm telling you, stay for Lee Smith. He's going to be halfway through the last hour of the show. Lee Smith, he is going to break down for you exactly what the status is in the United States of America. He read an article. I want you to read it. I've never told, have I ever once, Chris, be honest, have I ever once told anybody to read an article that I didn't write? Never. I don't think in the history of doing my show I've ever done it. Because who likes to read anyway? But in all seriousness, it's called The 30 Tyrants. If you want to understand where we are in the United States of America, read this article. Or just stay for the interview. I'll try to get as much out of him as I can if you don't like to air fingers quote read. But Lee Smith is appointment radio today. Period. Make sure you catch it. Back to the Soviets. Do the Soviets at this point in time... Have nuclear warheads in Cuba? Oh, yeah. Lots of them. And when I say nuclear warheads, understand there are different sizes to them. How big are the ones the Soviets have in Cuba? Oh, they're over 100 times bigger than what we dropped on Hiroshima. They're gigantic. So we set up our blockade. No more. No more coming in. This is officially the world watching what's happening here. And understand how touchy it is. One side, one side chooses to attack either side. The other will respond with nuclear weapons, forcing the other to respond with nuclear weapons. And they have enough nuclear weapons between the two sides at this point to destroy the entire world 1,000 times. It's that severe. It's that serious. Blockade is set up. But here's the problem with the blockade being set up. There were already Soviet ships on the way to Cuba. 
and you just set up a blockade, what are they going to do? Are they going to try to sneak past? Are they going to shoot past? Are they going to turn around and go back? Because remember, we're one bad incident away from the end of the world. What if you get what if you get a commander who decides he's going to take a shot at an American? Or an American decide you decides he's going to take a shot at one of these Soviet ships. What do you do? Khrushchev at this point in time knows he is in such a bind. He has to show strength to his government, to his people. He has to show strength to America. But Khrushchev is deathly afraid of a gigantic war. Khrushchev did not want war. He's a dirty communist. He wanted to dominate things like just like Stalin did. He did not want war. He knew what it would mean for his country. So Khrushchev orders the ships, stop. Just stop. Now, Castro is the third guy in this story we don't talk about enough. Because Khrushchev orders his ships to stop. But because he doesn't want to look like a weakling, he doesn't order the building of the nuclear sites to stop. Oh, no, no. You keep building those. I'm just not going to ship any more ships in there. You know, a little give and take type thing. But Castro is losing his mind angry at this point in time. Why? Well, remember, this whole thing takes place in Cuba. And what's happening in Cuba? Well, what do you think the American response was the second we figured out they have missile silos there. It sounds like Castro lives right underneath an airport for all of Cuba. The American Air Force and Naval Air Power, they are flying over every single square inch of Cuba, and they're not flying at 70,000 feet anymore. They're flying low. We are right here. We're here. We will destroy you. We will bomb you. We are doing reconnaissance on your island. The Cubans think they're about to be under attack. The people themselves are digging in. They're digging trenches. They're digging fighting holes. And Castro is furious. And Castro has anti-aircraft weapons. Castro's tempted to use them. And remember, this is the war now of public relations. It seems like at this point in the story, both Kennedy and Khrushchev think a nuclear war is inevitable. And people will tell you, everyone will say at this point, it is the likely outcome. The likely outcome is the end of the world as you know it at this point in time. It's that bad. Their only concern now is, well, I hope we can prevent it, but if we can't, Each one is hoping the other one takes the first shot because it's a public relations war as well. This is, well, the most dangerous point in human history right here. Hang on. We're going to talk about the, uh, what happened at the Capitol? What really happened? Hang on. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. 
Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. We have new podcast reviews, and you guys are just freaking awesome. Remember, you can catch the whole show. If you missed any part of the show, you can catch the whole thing on iHeart, Google, Spotify. The whole thing is on iTunes. On iTunes, leave a five-star rating. Leave a review talking about how handsome I am. We read the reviews on the air. I have a couple I'm going to read today. You can call. 877-377-4373. You can email jesse at jessekellyshow.com. I read every single email. They all go right to Jewish producer Chris. He prints them. I read them all. The love, the hate, the death threats, whatever it is. And your Ask Dr. Jesse questions. You can send them in throughout the week. You know we have Ann Coulter coming on this Friday, right, Chris? So we have Ask Dr. Jesse this Friday, which I can already tell is going to be special. Because it's going to be about me. And then we have Ann Coulter coming on. The Ann Coulter that Chris said I wasn't going to be able to get. <laughs> Hang on. We're going to finish up the Cuban Missile Crisis. Jesse Kelly returns next. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. Could you help us understand what the White House is or what the president's definition of open schools is? Does it mean teachers in classroom teaching students in classroom? Or does it just mean kids in classroom with a remote screen? Help us understand. Sure. His goal that he set is to have the majority of schools, so more than 50 percent, open uh, by day 100 uh, of his presidency. And that means uh, some teaching in classrooms. So at least one day a week, hopefully it's more. And obviously it is as much as is safe in each school and local district. 
say some teaching. That's the, you didn't use the same majority qualifier there. You just have to have some teaching in school, some teachers in school, not the majority of teachers in school and the majority of classrooms. Well, teaching at least one day a week um, in the majority of schools by day 100. Okay, and that's in-person teaching. In-person teaching, yes. <laughs> I love how these people talk. Just always, always leaving yourself an out. Never committing to anything, making up arbitrary numbers you never hold yourself to. And if you're a Democrat, nobody else will hold you to. Gosh, it's all so absurd. 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Remember, if you call, we're not live. Leave us a voicemail. We'll play it on the air. We have one, a heavy, heavy, heavy hitting voicemail. No, we're not going to play it just yet. I'll play you this voicemail next segment, though. Something you're going to have to hang on and listen to. All right. Let's finish this story here because, look, an NBA team isn't playing the national anthem anymore. We're going to talk about that, the Super Bowl, the COVID vaccine, what actually happened at the Capitol. I have a lot I have to get to today. Now, it's a war of public relations, Soviet Union and us. It's... Tense, to put it mildly. They're, they are famously thinking, this might be my last day on earth. We have CIA guys saying, my family needs to get out of town, sending, sending their families to the Midwest, you know, away from major cities. And a pilot leaves Alaska. And you're going to have to decide whether or not you believe this story. I am a natural skeptic. I do not But this is the official story, and I haven't seen a lot of people dispute it. So I'm not saying anything. I'm simply going to present to you the story as it has been presented to me. A pilot in a recon plane leaves Alaska. Because of the Aurora Borealis, the pilot loses his way and gets lost. He gets lost and finds himself Over the Soviet Union. Obviously, he's picked up immediately by Soviet radar at a time that is as tense as tense could possibly get. The Soviets send MiGs up in the air to get this guy. They do not shoot him down. He almost runs out of fuel and barely makes it back home. I'm going to pause here for just a brief moment and say... I don't believe for a second a highly trained U.S. pilot got lost and found himself over the Soviet Union. I will believe till the day I die there's something more to this story than that. Oh, whoops, did I go left here? I meant to go right here, like your grandma on the way to the gas station. I think not, but I'll leave that alone. But now the Soviets think we're coming. The Soviets think this is aggressive. And Castro, Castro's ready to start shooting down the planes we're sending overhead. And if Castro does this, America has said, we're going to start dropping bombs if you start shooting down our planes. Which even, look, in defense of Castro, of all people, you'd want planes shot down, right? They're flying them right overhead. And finally... It happens. Maybe the most dramatic moment in the history of mankind. We send up another U-2 plane. 
to do recon over Cuba, and it does not come from the highest levels, which is probably what saved the world, but a smaller unit commander makes the decision on the ground in Cuba, I'm going to shoot it down. And he launches a surface-to-air missile, and he blows our plane out of the sky and kills our pilot. And in an odd way, this probably did as much as anything else to save the world and stop the Cuban Missile Crisis. Because it was so tense to that moment. And then there was almost, I don't want to call it unprovoked, but there was such a bad thing that happened almost out of nowhere that it kind of made Kennedy and Khrushchev go, oh, whoa, no, oh, no, oh, we can't do this. We can't do this. And Castro, because he's a nutball, actually contributes this to this too. Castro sends a, a, a cable to Khrushchev saying, hey, I'm ready to die for this. You need to launch nuclear weapons against the United States of America now. Let's do it. Castro thinks he's prodding Khrushchev along, being the good little commie soldier. What he really does is freak he freaks Khrushchev out. Khrushchev looks at this and says, okay, this entire thing has gone way too far. This entire thing has gone too far. The Kennedys and Khrushchev connect again. Kennedy sends his brother, tells the Soviet ambassador, look, Here's the deal. We can't do this. You know we can't do this. Here's what we'll do. You will pull these missiles out of Cuba and get rid of them. What we will do is we will quietly, we're not going to announce this to the public or the world, we will quietly over the course of the next few months remove our missiles from Turkey. And if the answer to that had been no, it was going to be war. Khrushchev blinks and says, okay, all right, I'm done. I'm done. Let's do it. I agree. Stopping the end of the world. Why was John F. Kennedy able to pull this off? Why? The big reason, why why was Kennedy holding strong when others are pushing for this? Why was Kennedy doing the right thing here and the right thing there? Why? Failure. That's why. The great teacher is failure. The failures of his father. The horrific failure of the Bay of Pigs invasion. These failures were not things that were the end of the world. These huge failures were things that saved the world in the end because they taught JFK valuable, valuable lessons. You and I, in our own lives, are going to fail a thousand times. I certainly have. I promise I've failed more than you have. Huge ones and small ones. That's life. Right now, the right in America, I'm looking at things, and it, it's all bad, right? I have all this news today, and it's all bad. And, and it, it occurs to me on a macro level what a huge, huge failure the right has been 
with the way we've conducted ourselves, and it is, it's not defensible, with, with where we are as a country, what the right has done, the ability of the right to protect this nation is not defensible. However, this can be an opportunity to learn a renewal and a commitment from you and I, from the national party, from the local party, a, an outright in-stone commitment we will never let this happen again. And from that commitment, we can grow. We can grow. And in the end, it might save us. All right. What really happened at the Capitol? Hang on, I'll tell you. Miss something? There's a pot. Get it on demand wherever podcasts are found. The Jesse Kelly Show. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Shall be the policy of this nation to regard any nuclear missile launched from Cuba against any nation in the Western Hemisphere as an attack by the Soviet Union on the United States, requiring a full retaliatory response upon the Soviet Union. I call upon Chairman Khrushchev to haul and eliminate this clandestine, reckless, and provocative threat to world peace and to stable relations between our two nations. Pretty cool to think about, right? Pretty cool to think about Khrushchev watching that as the Americans are watching it. You can find me on social media at Jesse Kelly DC, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Remember, we got Kimberly Clasic coming up in 10 minutes. Going to talk about what it's like to run for Congress. What kind of support she got from the National Party. Why even try in a place like Baltimore where you don't have a chance. And... I have never told you this before. Third hour, halfway through, Lee Smith is coming on. He has an article out called The 30 Tyrants. Go read it. It's going to lay out exactly where we are as a nation. I've got podcast reviews I'm going to read. 
the vaccine, the real reason Super Bowl viewership is down. I have a lot I have to get to, but let me just say this. There's a headline here from businessinsider.com. A Capitol rioter who boasted about chugging wine from a lawmaker's liquor cabinet has been arrested, the FBI says. Okay, I've seen enough. Uh, Let's just be honest about what really happened at the Capitol. You ready? Here's what really happened, and nobody wants to be honest about it. Here it is. There was a gigantic Trump rally. Everybody knows it. Big Trump rally. There was a mixture of several things that happened. One, yes, there were Antifa and Black Lives Matter people dressed up like Trump people there. This is not a conspiracy theory. We now know this. There's a Black Lives Matter guy in custody for having been there and done horrible things. Yes, they helped inspire breaking into the Capitol. There was a lot of anger there anyway as people thought the election was being stolen. So all it takes is a few bad actors to gin up a bunch of outrage Breakthrough in one or two spots, and soon people are in. But I have also seen the videos. I've seen the pictures. A lot of these people who were in the Capitol building were either A, severely caught up in the moment and doing something dumb but not violent, or B, thought they were allowed to be there. I've seen the video of that idiot dressed up like a buffalo with a camera crew on the Senate floor and nobody even telling him to leave. He's just sitting there on the Senate floor with a camera crew. How does that give him the impression he's not allowed to be there at the moment? What happened was a mixture of a bunch of different things. Some really bad actors, some MAGA people who got caught up in the moment and were angry, and a bunch of idiots doing things like breaking into some lawmaker's office and jacking booze out of the liquor cabinet. And the truth is people in crowds do really, 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 really dumb things they would never do otherwise. There's a book out, what is it called? I forget even who wrote The Wisdom of Crowds. The book is called The Wisdom of Crowds. I forget who wrote it, who who wrote it. Highly recommend you read it if you're into reading like a nerd. But I highly recommend, I'll say this, I highly recommend you read it. There's something about being in the presence of a crowd. The feeling of safety the crowd gives you. The feeling of going along with the flow, that huge peer pressure thing. There's something about it that makes people do dumb things. You see it all the time now, especially in social media. Chris, I don't even know how to say this guy's name. The author apparently is James Surowiecki. I don't know. Whatever. I just pumped the guy's book on national radio. That's That's all I can do. I'm sorry if I can't say his freaking name. But there's something about it. And that's what happened. It was not an insurrection. It was not some violent, hostile takeover of the U.S. government. And I asked the other day, because I've heard it used a thousand times, and I know you have too. Five people were murdered at the Capitol. Okay, why can't I get any details on the five people who were, quote, murdered at the Capitol? You know why you can't get details on that? Because it's not true. Five people associated with the event in some way died. 
Five people were not murdered at the Capitol. One lady had a heart attack. That Ashley Bibbitt girl was the one the Capitol Police officer shot in the face. She didn't, she wasn't, I mean, look, I, I can't speak to the shooting. She was breaking through a glass door. I don't, I don't know the details of the shooting, but uh, that was one of the people, one of the, quote, insurrectionists. The officer who died, I don't want to screw up his name, Sednik or Sewidnik or something like that, that everybody said he was murdered by the insurrectionists. Uh, they just did the autopsy and stuff like that. There's no evidence of, of blunt force trauma or anything. They think the guy had a stroke or a heart attack. There was a, a suicide. There was, there, was not, there was not some massive violent coup. Was it a bad moment? Oh, gosh, yeah. That's not deniable. I'm not sitting here defending it. But I'm here to tell you once again, for the 10,000th time, a narrative was created with the aid of 99% of the right A narrative was created in the immediate aftermath of that event that is 100% false and has been used and will be used as a weapon against you. Just like the narrative created falsely around coronavirus, the narrative created falsely around St. George Floyd's killing, the narrative created falsely around this and that and this and that, There's always a false narrative created by the system with the aid of the right, with the expressed purpose of crushing you. And our own side is too weak and stupid to recognize this ever. Ever. I mean, you heard me open up the show talking about the Cuban Missile Crisis and and, and our failures. This is our failure. This is is our failure constantly surrendering the narrative early on for what to be accepted to to look like a good guy or something without realizing what's happening. The system doesn't care about these issues. I can't possibly scream that any louder. The system doesn't care about coronavirus. That's why they're all busted violating their coronavirus rules. The system doesn't care about black people at all. The system doesn't care about this issue or that issue. The system cares about dominating you and keeping powerful people in power and making sure you never get any. The system is sociopathic. So understand when the system is creating a narrative about something, about anything They're lying. They're lying to get you. And we have to be smarter and better than that in the future. And I'm so sick of having to scream this after issue, after issue, after issue. And I'm already mad about the next issue that's about to pop up. And I don't even know what that is. But I promise there'll be one. I promise you there's going to be one. There's one coming soon. The system is going to lie to you about something else. And 99% of the right is going to be, well, yeah, actually, I have a good point. It wasn't insurrection. It was a coup. And they're going to use it to get you, and we have to start being smarter. I'm going to talk to Kimberly Klasik about being smarter, about running for office, about doing the hard thing I've been telling you to do. And we're going to talk to her next. Hang on.
never completely ready to adopt a teen. For late nights writing English papers. For your teen's music taste. For dinners, where they talk more on their phone than with you. For the first time, they call you mom. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen, and you can't imagine the reward. To learn more about adopting a teen, visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. Ladies and gentlemen, we have arrived in Philadelphia. Local time is 3.05 p.m. and the temperature is 67 degrees. At this time, you are now free to use your cellular devices. You know that feeling when you get to turn your phone on after the plane lands? You can have that feeling every time you drive. Make sure your cell phone is stowed away whenever you are behind the wheel. Visit StopTextStopRex.org, a message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. What have I been telling you? Get out there and do something. Fight the hard fights. Go run for something. Even if you don't think it's winnable, go run for something. We have to get real people who have an actual brain into office. Cannot tell you how much I admire my guest now, Kim Klasik. She is the one who had the guts to run in Baltimore. Possibly running again? Who knows? Let's hope so. Joining me now, Kim Klasik. Kim, give it to us. Why are you running again? I'm just kidding. I don't know if you are yet. <laughs> hey, good morning. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad you did what you did because it took guts. And, and I, I think the GOP lacks guts big time. So I, I hope you showed them some. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, it, it was crazy because, of course, we were told, don't run. Jesus Christ couldn't win that seat. So GOP didn't want us to really run and exhaust any donors on it. But I'm glad we did. Uh, and once you got going, obviously everybody knows you now. The race went national. You became, you know, one of these one of these superstars. Did the GOP at some point wake up and realize it and come in to help, or did you get a little pat on the back and oh, have fun, Kim? Yeah, I mean it's weird because we kind of got the pat on the back. Um, you know, once the video went viral, the campaign ad that was like August eighteenth or so. Um, and then, you know, after that, we spoke at the RNC convention. But it was President Trump, from my understanding, that pushed for us to speak. Um, the, the RNC themselves didn't think that a viral video meant that I should speak at the convention. So oh. it was him that pushed it through. Um, and then, of course, after, you know, we did fairly well, I think, on that, uh, we then started getting phone calls from the RNC uh, saying, basically, you know, if you do need help, we can help you. But that was really the only calls that we got. At that point, you know, we just decided to, to go without it. I mean, we, we got as far as we did without them, so we were just going to keep on going. What is it like to start a campaign, to get a campaign going in a district that is not thought to be even close to winnable? You have the massive uphill climb. What, did you get yelled at a lot? Were people chucking things at you? Were they supporting you? What were people saying to you? Yeah, you know, what's interesting is that we actually got a lot of love, uh, especially in West Baltimore, where we actually shot the campaign ad. And there were a lot of people said, you know, I'm a Democrat, but I am nobody finally calling this out. Um, you know, back in 2015, we had the, the riots after the death of Freddie Gray. 
and millions of dollars were sent to that West Baltimore corridor. Um, the crazy part is none of it has hit the ground there. And so there are a lot of people asking questions now, like, you know, where is that money? Uh, it was President Obama and, and Congressman Elijah Cummings that secured it and sent it up. But here it is, you know, in 2021 at this point, it was 2020 at that point, uh, where people are like, yo, where is the money? No one seems to know where it is. And so it really got people thinking. Uh, the New York Times did an article last week. You know, I don't really pay that much attention to them, but they actually <laughs> pointed out on an, an interactive map where we did actually flip West Baltimore. So West Baltimore and then Northeast Baltimore uh, voted for myself and voted for President Trump. Are you are you jaded now? Are you done with politics? I mean, I ran for Congress once and lost and, and ran a second time. And after that, I'm all, you know, I'm done with this whole thing. I'm going to go do something else. Where Where's your mind at now? Are you considering it again in all seriousness? Yeah, I mean, you know, that's it. Maryland's District 7 is a D-plus uh, 30 district. It's, it's tough. Um, but, of course, you know, we're looking at races perhaps statewide. Uh, we have a Senate seat coming up in 2022. Uh, we've been talking to people a lot. Uh, we've been getting phone calls from, from good people like Corey Lewandowski, who's really interested in us running again. Um, and then we get calls from other people saying, you know what, move to Florida, move to Pennsylvania. <laughs> you know, they're like, get out of there and go to a place where you can win the seat and actually get on the hill and help the Republicans on the Hill out, you know? And, and I think that's another, you know, possible option. And, and some people, because I look at it as carpetbagging, uh, but some people now are like, you know what? It is what it is. Uh, let's go and flip the house back red. And so, you know, if that's the mindset, you know what? I, I will give it another shot. You know, we, we left $2 million in the bank, and, and that was because we planned to run again. Uh, you know, I just started a pack called Red Renaissance. We're going to be helping a lot of candidates across the country that, do not get the support from the GOP because I, I just felt what that was like. Um, so, you know, I'm going to try to help flip the, the house any way I possibly can, whether it's me there or not. Well, forget about all that carpet bagging spot uh, talk. We've got a warm spot for you here in Texas if you want it. But first of all, <laughs> I, I always encourage people to run, even if it's not for something, you know, sexy like Congress. If it's for school board or mayor or city council, I tell people to yeah. run. But I get a lot of, Jesse, I'm scared. Jesse, I don't think I can win this. Jesse, what, what, you know, what should I do? You've done it, and you've done it in the hardest district you could possibly do it in. What would you tell somebody right now who doesn't think they have what it takes? I would say go and do it. I mean, this is the perfect time. This is when people are looking for more people like President Trump that is just authentically themselves. You know, everyone told me you got to dress conservatively. You got to talk like a politician. You got to do this. You got to do that. Go meet with all the pastors at the church. The fact that we didn't do that is, is how we got a lot of respect from the voters in the district. You know, we flipped 10,000 votes our way. Uh, the first time a Republican ever did that in that district. And I think a lot of it is because, you know what, I was just me. And so if they're looking to run, I say go out there and run and be exactly who you are. Don't try to fake it. Don't try to pretend because there's a lot of people just fed up with the theatrics. They're fed up with the fake politicians. What are some of the failures you see of the Republican Party as a whole? I, I find them to be just way too weak, not aggressive enough when dealing with the left, playing defense way too often, never playing offense. What do you see? That is, you hit <laughs> the nail on the head there. They're, we're always playing defense. Why? It kills me. It kills me. We are never in control of the narrative. Right now we're talking about impeachment, which to me looks like, you know, just another DNC fundraiser in my opinion. But why aren't we talking about what people want to hear? You know, what's going on with reopening America? What's going on with reopening the schools? 
you know, up here in, in, in Baltimore, the schools still aren't open. I don't know how it is in Texas, but it's not open here. And so we've got a lot of kids that were already behind in education, and the parents are feeling it. They're feeling it at home. I've got friends that had to stay home and help their kids with school and actually quit their jobs uh, because they couldn't do both. And so, you know, we got to get out there and talk about things that we really care about, a balanced budget, the education system, just common sense policies. And instead of always just, you know, trying to defend ourselves against the squad or, or just narratives that make no sense, you know, this whole thing with racism is a complete distraction. We've got more important things to focus on. Kim, what did happen to Baltimore? Because it was about f- probably 15 years ago, maybe 10 years ago, I was there, and I thought it was so cool. I thought the harbor was so cool. I just thought it was such a cool city. And I have a lot of friends there now, and they say, you cannot imagine how bad it's gotten and how fast it got bad. Why did it get bad? Yeah, yeah. So, unfortunately, we ended up with some mayors in place uh, and then those on city council that were just completely soft on criminals. Right now, our state's attorney, Marilyn Mosby, uh, you know, she just slaps them on the wrist and lets them go free. You know, we've got 11-time repeat offenders out on the streets. And so, of course, who wants to do a business in, in an area where, you know, your patrons could get killed walking out the front door? Oh. You know, it's that bad. We've got 10 times the national average of the homicide rate. And, and mind you, we have great hospitals here. Our shock trauma and Johns Hopkins, they're keeping lots of people alive. So just the amount of shootings that we have each day is out of control. Um, but, you know, if they're soft on criminals, they don't focus on anything that will get a return and investment in the city. Um, you know, they're talking about bike lanes. They're talking about going green. Meanwhile, we used to be a manufacturing powerhouse. We no longer have any of the manufacturing here. And that was my big push with my race. I said, look, we relied on other countries for PPE. Why not bring the billion-dollar medical equipment industry back here to the state and back to the Baltimore City Port? We have the second-largest port in the country, and we don't even utilize it. And so, again, it's just common sense could bring Baltimore back to what it was. Because, yes, it, it used to be a beautiful city. Everybody loved going to an Orioles game, and now no one's going. Yeah. Kim Klasik, I wish you the best. Plug your website for me, please. Sure, thank you. It's redrenaissance.com. The official launch is Friday at 7 a.m. There's just a landing page now, but they'll see the big thing. Uh, on Friday, we have a big commercial ad coming out, redrenaissance.com. I hope everybody checks it out. Go make it happen. Appreciate you. Thank you. Appreciate you. Ladies Dynamite, man. All right. We have a voicemail, podcast reviews. What really happened in the Super Bowl numbers? I'll explain. Hang on. You're listening to The Jesse Kelly Show. You're welcome. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, We'll probably stay together. Probably? (laughs) It's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, Okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay. 
especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Is there going to be a time when we're going to be no masks? Uh, when is that time? If you had to guess, going to a sports game, going to a theater, going to a concert without a mask. You know, Brett, that will really be dependent upon how we get the level of virus in the community down. If we can get, and I have used this as an estimate, it's not definitive, that if we can get 70 to 85% of our population vaccinated and get to what we would hope would be to a degree of herd immunity, which really is an umbrella or a, or a veil of protection against the community, where the level of virus is so low, it's not a threat at all, then at that point, you could start thinking in terms of not having to have uniform wearing of masks. But we're certainly not near there yet. When do I think that would occur? You know, it's very difficult to predict, Brett, but if everything falls into the right place and we get this under control, it is conceivable that you might be able to pull back a bit on some of the public health measures as we get into the late fall of this year. But there's no guarantee of that. Oh, look, let's, let's just be honest here. This guy has no idea what he's doing. He has no idea what he's doing. Why do we have to why do we have to act as if that's not the case? We don't have to. We don't have to act as if that's not the case. I'm sorry. I don't I don't want to hear about your degree. I don't care. Not impressed at all. Show me the results. This guy, cover of vanity fair, throwing out the first pitch. This guy is lost. Absolutely lost. All right. 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. I promised you a voicemail. Somebody left us one. Obviously, we'll play your voicemails if they're good. This guy, this look, this may be tough to hear. All right, but if it's hard hitting, we got to hear it. Hey, Jesse. I'll let you know the Nathan's famous quarter pound colossal beef frank is the greatest hot dog mankind has ever created in the story. All right, man. Later. Absolutely absurd. Absurd. This, buddy, you should be ashamed of yourself. Quarter pound hot dogs. Burgers are supposed to, stop putting, put your thumb down, Chris. Burgers are supposed to be a quarter pound. I am not going to have this discussion again on the show. Wieners are supposed to be bun size. You cannot have the wiener bigger than the bun. It does not work. If the wiener barely fits in the bun, it's not good. Hot dogs are supposed to be bun size. Now, we have podcast reviews. Remember, the whole show is podcasted on iHeart, Google, Spotify. It's on iTunes. Leave a five-star rating on iTunes and leave a review talking about how handsome I am. This one's titled Saturated, which I don't know what that means. History is the best teacher. Jesse has really found his element. Also, I do appreciate the responsiveness to listener feedback. It's pretty special. Am I responsive to listener feedback, Chris? I don't know. 
This one's titled TV Show Podcast. Less guests, more Jesse. See, all my TV shows are podcasted as well. You'll see them, see them on there. Am I the only one that has to fast forward through all the guests? I only want to hear Jesse. Well, I mean, look, you're only human. I only want to hear me too. What, Chris? I actually tell people, well, why would I have guests on when I'm so great? Everything else is a what? Everything else is a downgrade. <laughs> oh gosh, it's so dumb. So, I saw this. Super Bowl viewership plunges. This is from theblaze.com. Super Bowl viewership plunges to the lowest in 15 years. They post the worst ratings since 1969. People are, they're getting it and they're not getting it. And here's what I mean by this. The problem we have right now is people, they understand, many people, most people, they understand something is wrong. Something's wrong out there. Things aren't making sense. They get that something is wrong. They just don't know how to necessarily define what's wrong, or they're too scared to simply speak out and name what is wrong. What I mean by that is this. You see this, and it's tempting to go, well, yeah, that's what they get for that anti-American political stuff. Well, yeah, you're correct, but don't think for a second that people who turned off the Super Bowl and changed the channel, don't think that all of them know that's why they don't like it. They just know, well, this isn't as enjoyable as it used to be. And I hear all the commercials were lecturing about this, and it was all one campaign about this, and Black Lives Matter, and America sucks, and it was, a, it was everything you'd expect. Everything you'd expect. But... People need to understand why they don't like it. It's not just, well, it's not enjoyable anymore. You don't like it because the communists ruined it. You don't like it because we have generations, multiple generations of people who've been educated in America's government schools to hate America, and now they run corporate America. And that's why you don't like it. And it's important your friends and family understand that. That's what we're facing right now. Hang on, I'm not done yet. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. 
Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban has decided to no longer play the national anthem before games. Just like the Super Bowl. I don't care about that specifically. You shouldn't care about that specifically. You should care very much that half the country hates the country. Why should you care about that? Well, we don't have a future if half the country hates the place. I don't care about the Super Bowl. I don't care about the Dallas Mavericks. I care about the end of the United States of America. If you have half the country constantly being taught to hate the country, we are going to witness in our lifetime the end of the United States of America. It's that serious. We have got to wake up. Now, when I tell you you have to listen to Lee Smith in 30 minutes from now, believe me, you do. He's going to tell you what the status is of this country. Hang on. Kelly Show. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. Eight seven seven three seven seven four three seven three Jesse at Jesse Kelly Show dot com. You can find me on social media at Jesse Kelly DC on Twitter, Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Locals now. Remember, go ahead and sign up. Follow me over there. Try to put as much stuff on there as humanly possible. But listen to this. I obviously, as I've told you, Lee Smith is coming on here and just 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 a few. I've never once, I've never once told you to go read an article. It's such a nerdy thing to say anyway. I sound like a dork saying it. I'm telling you right now, go read The 30 Tyrants. If, if you Look, if you're dead set against that, just hang on and listen to what Lee Smith has to say. He lays out what's happening, what's happened to America, to who's running things around here better than anybody I've ever heard in my entire life, except for obviously, you know what? There's one other person I've heard who does it really, really well. You know what? Go ahead and play it, Chris. You do realize? I mean, look, I have to, I have to talk myself in this too. Impeaching the president of the United States was like the biggest deal in the world about less than a year ago. And now we're impeaching somebody and no one cares. That tells you what it is, doesn't it? The Democrats and their salivating at the mouth quest to get Trump, stop Trump. They ruined yet another sacred thing in the United States of America. Impeachment was a really big thing. It won't ever be again. Never. Think about that. You witnessed in your lifetime impeachment, 
become nothing. It became nothing. That's fine. It'll, it'll become the value of the dollar, which is going to be worth basically nothing soon, but I'm not going off on that now. And let's remember something here. Let's remember something. Um, they're showing doctored video right now. You realize that, right? As part of their, their you know, reason you have to impeach Donald Trump, convict Donald Trump, they're showing doctored video. Remember Jaden X? Maybe you haven't heard of the name. Yeah, he's a Black Lives Matter guy. A Black Lives Matter guy. He's currently in jail for what he did. Yeah, you see that name right there? That's, that's right. That's right. He's a Black Lives Matter guy. Also, you hear a lot about Donald Trump inciting this and inciting that. He incited this. He called for this. Donald Trump caused for this. You saw everybody on the Democrat side say that. I mean, virtually every D.C. Republican pundit said that. You saw all these, oh, this is a dark day. Immediately after the whole thing, Donald Trump incited it. Almost every pundit, radio, TV, writing for the right, talking about how this is a dark day. Donald Trump did this. Then you've got the normal whiny Republicans like Mitt Romney saying the same thing. This is Donald Trump's fault. Um, They did leave out like a really important part a really, really, really important part that's definitely going to come up of what Trump said up there, like this part. I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. Today, we will see whether Republicans stand strong for integrity of our elections, but whether or not they stand strong for our country. Peacefully. Peacefully? That's what he said. That's what he said. And look, Jamie Raskin, this impeachment manager for Democrats, um, this is what he said. Senators, the president was impeached by the U.S. House of Representatives on January 13th for doing that. You ask what a high crime and misdemeanor is under our Constitution? That's a high crime and misdemeanor. If that's not an impeachable offense, then there is no such thing. Telling people to fight, but peacefully and patriotically? This whole thing's a pathetic joke. Now, nobody puts it better than that guy. That was, what, Chris? That was, of course, from my show, I'm Right on the First. And Raskin, speaking of Raskin, now I know know what I'm going to get. I'm going to get some, Jesse, why aren't you talking about the impeachment? Who cares about the impeachment? I'm not going to spend a ton of time dwelling on something that doesn't matter because they insist I talk about it or they insist I act like it matters. I've told you this time and time again. The right makes this mistake all the time of playing the left's game on the left's field with the left's referees enforcing the left's rules and wondering why the left always wins. I don't care about some meaningless impeachment of a guy who's not even president president anymore and he's not going to get convicted anyway. Why I care about the destruction of America. Why in the world would I care about it? Why would I care? I'm not playing that game. And I'll tell you I will tell you this, if you want me to say something about impeachment, I will tell you this. This guy, Raskin, this guy who's leading the Democrats' impeachment team, 
He pulled something yesterday. Was it Rankin or Raskin? I think it's Raskin. Who cares? He pulled something yesterday. I wonder I wonder if these people ever have a moment when they say to themselves, I am completely broken. Distinguished members of the Senate, my youngest daughter, Tabitha, was there with me on Wednesday, January 6th. It was the day after we buried her brother, our son, Tommy, the saddest day of our lives. You just, you just lost your son? You just lost your son. Could you imagine? Look, maybe it's just because I'm a dad. I, every parent will nod along. And if you're not a parent yet, you don't realize this. But when you're a parent, I'm, as you know, not a nervous human being at all. I mean, at all. Sleep like a baby every night. You think on occasion randomly about possibly losing one of your children, you know, in whatever way. And there is, I don't, I will tell you, I don't think I'd be able to go on. I don't, I do not think I'd be able to go on if I lost one of my little buddies. It's that big, you know, it's, it's that big. And, and someone out there listening right now has lost one. And you, I mean, you obviously know, and I do not, and God be with you, but I couldn't imagine losing one. Right. But then to lose one. And bury him. Their their son committed suicide. It's terrible. It doesn't matter. It's it's terrible. Absolutely terrible. And you know, pray for their family. To lose one and bury him and then use it as an emotional manipulation political prop the next day on the house floor. Do you think and I really mean this, do you do you think that guy, maybe not yesterday, but do you think he's ever going to have a moment in his life where he looks at himself in the mirror, probably a private moment, and is deeply, deeply ashamed? How broken do you have to be to take the lowest moment of your life, of anyone's life, and use it for political points? What's wrong with these people? I really mean that. There's something, there's something deeply wrong with these people. Something, something doesn't connect. There's a, there's something that doesn't connect. It, 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 it maybe it's just a simple fact of, of what I tell you all the time. They're communists. It's a religion, and just nothing takes precedent. Over their religion. Maybe it's just that. All right, it's time to talk about this vaccine from Johnson and Johnson. Good grief. Hang on. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen. For late nights writing English papers. For your teen's music taste. For dinners, where they talk more on their phone than with you. For the first time, they call you mom. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen, and you can't imagine the reward. To learn more about adopting a teen, 
Visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. Ladies and gentlemen, we have arrived in Philadelphia. Local time is 3.05 p.m. and the temperature is 67 degrees. At this time, you are now free to use your cellular devices. You know that feeling when you get to turn your phone on after the plane lands? You can have that feeling every time you drive. Make sure your cell phone is stowed away whenever you are behind the wheel. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Distinguished members of the Senate, my youngest daughter, Tabitha, was there with me on Wednesday, January 6th. It was the day after we buried her brother, our son, Tommy, the saddest day of our lives. You know what, Chris? Keep playing it. Keep, 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 keep playing it. I, I want people to hear the rest of it. I want people to hear this performance art. The death of your son, a father burying his son. I can't even, I, I can't emotionally even put myself there. It's not possible for me to put myself there. And yet he did it. He buried him. And the next day walked onto the floor of the house on television and tried to use it to just keep going, Chris. Keep going. The saddest day of our lives. Also, there was my son-in-law, Hank, who's married to our oldest daughter, Hannah. And I, I consider him a son, too, even though he eloped with my daughter and didn't tell us what they were going to do. And I hope this... But the reason they came with me that Wednesday, January 6th, was because they wanted to be together with me in the middle of a devastating week for our family. And I told them I had to go back to work because we were counting electoral votes that day on January 6th. It was our constitutional duty. And I invited them instead to come with me to witness this historic event, the peaceful. Understand this, that's some kind of sickness. There's something deeply wrong with a person who thinks that's okay, and you're never going to convince me otherwise. 877-377-4373. 877-377-4373. I, I saw this headline, and my, my jaw dropped because I know people are going to take this hook, line, and sinker. Th- get this. This is from the New York Post. People may need annual COVID-19 vaccine shots, Johnson & Johnson CEO says. Unfortunately, as the virus spreads, it can also mutate, Alex Gorski said in an interview on CNBC. Every time it mutates, it's almost like another click of the dial, so to speak, where we can see another variant, another mutation that can have an impact on its ability to fend off antibodies or have a different kind of response, not only to a therapeutic, but also a vaccine, he added. Public health officials have previously warned that coronavirus is likely here to stay. Quote, 
I doubt we're going to eradicate this, Fauci said in a virtual health conference last week. I think we need to plan that this is something we may need to maintain control over chronically. Gorski's comments, meanwhile, came after Johnson & Johnson last week asked the U.S. Food and Drug Administration to authorize its single-dose COVID vaccine for emergency use. The drug maker says its shot is 66% effective at preventing moderate to severe disease. If I were to sit and tell you that you have to listen to every minute, all three hours of the Jesse Kelly show every single day for the next five years or millions of people will die what would you do? You would rightfully roll your eyes at this self-important idiot who's clearly just trying to enrich himself and act like things are way worse than they actually are to lie in his pockets. That Jesse Kelly is a hustler. I'll never listen to him again. You should have heard, honey, you should have heard what this scam artist said today. This guy tried to say we had to listen to his show or everyone's going to die. Can you believe that? And yet we hear things like this and it's not a national outrage. The maker of a vaccine, the guy who quite literally gets paid if you take the vaccine is now saying you have to have it. Oh, wait, you have to have it every single year? Are people this dumb to accept this kind of stuff? And I'm not one of these anti-vaccine people. I'm not super anti-vaccine. I'm not super pro-vaccine. You take with this, you, you do whatever you want with your body. I've never told you whether to take something or not. I, that's, that's your choice. But come on, don't try to sell me that bill of goods. Oh, well, look, I, the, the truth is we've developed a vaccine. And I mean, look, it's going to cost... It's going to cost you a lot of money to take it, but you have to take it or you're going to die. Oh, a lot of people are taking it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You know what? I forgot to mention, look, this virus is mutating all the time. You have to take it, gosh, every year. I mean, maybe even every day. What, am I making money off it? Oh, yeah, don't worry about that. that's That's a separate issue. Don't worry about that. Just know that you can trust me. You can absolutely trust the things I say. Yeah, I, I want I want you to buy my products or everyone's going to die, but I'm a trustworthy person. Of course. Come on, man. This thing has become... I, I'm, I'm looking at this headline from Daily Caller. Fauci says masks can come off when the virus is, quote, not a threat at all. Is that what we've become as a society? Is that what you are? Are we at a point now where we can't live life until there's no threat at all? What kind of life is that? I mean, I, I look, I don't want to use a cliche here, but you realize if you got in a car today, there was a chance you could die, right? You're driving a 4,000-pound hunk of metal around at 80 miles an hour, surrounded by other people driving 80 miles an hour and their 4,000-pound hunks of metal. Half of them are staring at their phone the whole time. And we're going to 
shut down the greatest economy in the history of the world for a virus? Are these people all insane? And it's not that it's not that Fauci's insane. I mean, he is. It's not that this guy who makes this vaccine is insane. He is too, a total sociopath. It's that how many people have bought this, have bought into this as being legitimate. And now you watch, I'll get outraged emails tomorrow. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com of people who've bought this. And part of this is shame. Part of it's fear. The way they lash out at people telling them the truth. I'm exposing you to the truth. This is the reality of life. This thing has become a gigantic grift where people are lining their pockets for it. They're getting rich and they're getting famous while they smash you and I. And while and they're laughing all the way to the bank while they do it and promising you more fear and more fear. And the, the, the world is coming to an end. Just look. For $5, I can save your life. Do you, have, do you not have $5? Oh, thank you for that $5. Did I mention the $5 is going to be a weekly fee? Look, do you want to live? Do you want to kill grandma? Just pay me my $5. Grandma's going to die if you don't pay me my $5. I promise. Oh, I know a hustle when I see one. And just because the hustler happens to be wearing a lab coat or sitting in a fancy CEO chair with the $1,000 suits, don't think that means that you fooled me, Jack. You may fool a lot of these other suckers. You ain't fooled me at all. I know a hustle when I see one. Every single time. Now, I love a lot of the people I bring on for interviews. You know the ones I love because you hear them come back. The ones you don't hear come back, it's because I thought they were boring. And it's my job to make your day a little bit more interesting. That's all. Not save the world. Make your day a little bit more interesting. I don't promise you much except that I'm a bad person and that we'll do Medal of Honor Mondays. That's about all I'll ever promise you. But I promise you this, this next guest is going to be interesting. He has something very important to say. Let's sit back and listen to Lee Smith talk about what's going on in America. Hang on. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners.
We're not wasting any time. I have never once told you to go read an article. I told you that today. And the author of that article is here. His name is Lee Smith. He's also the author of The Permanent Coup, The Plot Against the President, The Strong Horse Tablet Magazine, columnist for the Epic Times, and just the news. Lee Smith, please explain to people who haven't read 30 Tyrants yet the basis of it. Thank you, first of all, Jesse, for inviting me on. And also thank you for recommending the story. Everyone's reading it. I know you never do it. <laughs> I, I, I never. Look, I really appreciate it. Well, I never yeah. do it just because, look, because uh, it's tough to get somebody to read things nowadays in this instant gratification <laughs> yeah. thing. And, and I want to make sure it's special when I do do it. But I've read it five times. It, it's that good, and wow. I don't even okay. like to read. So please, Lee, explain <laughs> it. Right. Thanks very much. Well, look, I mean, it's a little... Excuse me for, for being a little pretentious, but I thought the way to explain what's happening now, what's happening now in the United States is to use a historical analogy. So I went back to the end of the Peloponnesian War, fought between the Athenians and the Spartans. And at the end of the war, the Spartans installed a government that was in Athens that was loyal to Sparta. It was a pro-Sparta faction known as the 30 Tyrants. They despised democracy. Um, they thought that it gave too much power to the lower born. They thought only they were entitled to rule. I saw this and I said, well, this is exactly what's happening in the United States now. We are, gov we are ruled, not governed. We are thoughtlessly uh, and carelessly ruled by an anti-democratic faction that is not primarily loyal to the United States, but is rather instead primarily loyal to uh, the Chinese Communist Party, from whom it draws its power, its prestige, as well as its wealth. It's this relationship, this ongoing relationship between the United States, our corporate, political, and cultural elite that has made them rich and that has empowered them. It's both cheap Chinese manufacturing, cheap Chinese labor, in many cases, slave labor, as well as a growing Chinese consumer market that has made everyone from Apple CEO Tim Cook to NBA superstar LeBron James fabulously wealthy, not only fabulously wealthy, but disdainful of the United States, disdainful of American citizens, disdainful of American markets and of American consumers. So that's the point I wanted to make. The reason that everything feels so strange now, why we keep asking, these people look like they're destroying America, who would do that? This makes no sense. Electorally, politically, it makes no sense. That needs to be understood in a different context, right? In terms of a constitutional republic, people who would be loyal to the country they govern, who would put that country's interest first, but that's not who we're being ruled by right now. We're being ruled by an anti-democratic faction whose primary loyalty is to its relationship to the Chinese Communist Party. Lee, how let's let's start with this. How did we get to that point? Because you're a thousand percent right. And it's obvious everybody yeah. right now is looking at their radio, nodding their heads as you speak. But how did that happen? Yeah. It seems like it happened so fast or didn't it? No, it happened very fast. I mean, look, I mean, in a sense, it started when Kissinger and Nixon, uh, their opening to China in 1972. Uh, but, you know, but, but, but even at the time, Henry Kissinger, who, of course, has become fabulously wealthy because he's uh, peddled, uh, you know, because he's peddling his own influence with the Chinese Communist Party. But at the time, he had no idea that the relationship would turn into something like this. One of the 
One of the decisive points is 1994, when Bill Clinton decides to de-link human rights from trade policy. Now, look, the important thing here is not as it's not Chinese human rights; it's American human rights. And we've seen we've seen how the uh, the American public, for the half a billion Chinese peasants who have been pulled out of poverty, how many millions of Americans, how many tens of millions, maybe hundreds of millions of Americans, were sent into poverty because of they because they shipped off our manufacturing base. The point is, is that no one would have done this during the Cold War. They never would have thought about inviting in the Soviet Union to use our warehouses, to use our industries, or sending our stuff off there. In 1994, this idea changed. So it wasn't just about human rights. It was about, in 1994, they had no problem linking the American future to an authoritarian one-party state. So that's really where we are right now. This is more than a quarter of a century later. That's why things look the way they do. And, of course, it was, it's only been Donald Trump, really, uh, as president who's fought this. Historically, there were Democrats who fought it, like uh, 1988 presidential candidate Richard Gephardt. He made many of the same cases that Donald Trump made. So Donald Trump is not, a, uh, he's not an outlier here. He's part of a very important American tradition, which tragically has been overrun by the vast majority of American elites, corporate, political, and cultural. Lee, I, I spend my time screaming at the GOP 99% of the time for not standing up to this because it's oh, painfully yeah. obvious if you're seeing it. Please explain why the GOP right. won't stand up to it. I mean, I, 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 I'm astonished. I mean, it's not just they won't stand up to that, Jesse. I mean, for Pete's sake. I mean, what do they do? They, they, they go out here and they defend Liz Cheney when since January 6th, uh, the press, the, the, the media, as well as Democratic Party officials have been trying to redefine 74 plus million Trump voters as domestic terrorists. And who's saying anything in the GOP? It's just astonishing. So it's not just that they're rolling over in terms of China. They're rolling over in terms of anything. And we really have to wonder. I mean, look, this, this is not an instrument that is suitable to be matched up with what is essentially a Maoist Leninist organization, which is what the Democratic Party is. And we see that in their actions. For instance, this, this second impeachment. I mean, this is, a, this is very important as a show trial. Again, in terms of a constitutional republic, that makes no sense. In terms of, in terms of an ideological autocracy, it makes perfect sense because they're trying to they're trying to rub the faces of half of the country, everyone who didn't vote for Joe Biden. They're trying to humiliate them and rub their faces in the dirt and see this is what happens when you don't vote the way we tell you to vote. We warned you. We told you in 2016, and that's why we targeted Trump and his presidency and delegitimized it starting in 2016, right after we won. How many times do you people need to be warned? You'll vote the way we tell you to vote, or this is what will happen. Unfortunately, the Republican Party is not an instrument capable of standing up to that right now, and per perhaps never will be. Lee, where do you see this going forward? Not, not super in the future, but over the next yeah. four years. I can't see them taking their foot off the gas pedal here. I see them desperately trying to make sure a Trump-like figure never gets power again and them getting extra aggressive yeah. about it. Am I wrong? Yeah, no, I, I absolutely think you're right. I mean, what we, since we have so few political moves right now, 
What I think we need to anticipate is the number of mistakes they're going to make, uh, the speed the, the speed at which they're, they're going to be going, and the different mistakes they're going to make. I mean, right now we have to – right now, basically, we have very few choices but to sit back and watch them make mistakes and then seize different opportunities. And we'll see if the Republican Party, again, is a, uh, is a useful vehicle for defending half of the country. It's not clear it is. But, yeah, I think they're going to move very, very quickly. And and clearly they're going to try to prevent uh, future Trump figures. But as you've been saying for years now, Donald Trump is a pussycat compared to what may come next. Right. Mm -hmm. Donald Trump is a figure that is a figure that the Democratic Party should have worked with, a party they should have co-opted and said, let's see what we can work together on. But because they sought to destroy him and they sought to humiliate and destroy half the country, it's likely that what comes next will be of an entirely different character, an entirely different nature. And again, I, 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 the, the case I make, while I'm optimistic in the long run, I think in the meantime, we're heading into very dangerous territory for, for a whole bunch of reasons, mm-hmm. including this incredibly destructive relationship with China. People, go read this article. In fact, read everything this guy writes. Lee Smith, thank you so much, my brother. It was awesome. Thanks very much, Jesse. He nailed it. I have something to say about this. Hang on. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm-mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. <clears throat> Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Uh. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Eight seven seven three seven seven four three seven three. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Didn't I tell you to hang on for Lee Smith? Did not disappoint. <laughs> Did not disappoint. If you missed it or you want to play it again, remember, all the shows are podcasted on iHeart, Google, Spotify. They're all on iTunes. Chris will have the whole show on iTunes at some point after the show, pretty close after. Go back, send that one to family and friends. I told you, he nailed it. And it is, it's not funny, it's terrible, but how much history repeats itself? Why, we do a history segment every day? This is from my buddy Jerry Dunleavy. The Biden administration quietly tossed a proposed rule from the end of the Trump era that would have required U.S. universities and K-12 schools with foreign exchange programs 
to disclose any financial ties or other connections to the CCP-guided Confucius Institutes. The call is coming from inside the house. They're here. The communists are here. The communists are in massive control of this country. I don't care how wing nutty it sounds. It's 100% true. They are here. They wormed their way in. They bought their way in. They're here now. And the people inside our own leadership, most of them, are actively working against us on behalf of the communists. And it's brilliant. It's brilliant. You know, credit where it's due, good for them. Good for them. It made me think of the Mongols a lot. And everybody knows who Genghis Khan is. If you've listened to my show for any length of time, you've heard me tell one or two Mongol stories because the Mongols are the greatest army of all time. Genghis Khan, the greatest military leader of all time, is just an incredible story. But one of the most undertold parts of Genghis Khan and the Mongol conquests and the Mongolian Empire, really in general, even post-Genghis Khan, was this. How fanatical the Mongols were about spying and political subversion. Whenever you think of the Mongolian hordes, you think of the horse archers and wiping out whole cities and chopping people's heads off and conquests and all the blood and guts. That's what you think about, right? They moved with speed and they were smart and they were... Genghis Khan, all those Mongolian armies and all those great horse archers and all the great strategy and the tacticians and the... Genghis Khan obsessed about sending spies into places he wanted to conquer way, way, way ahead of time who would, one, obviously give him information, but two, find out which political faction in the city is unhappy, underserved. Find out who might who might be willing to pop open those gates when you come riding up so you don't have to batter them down. They were masterful at it. This is the ultimate in Eastern warfare. The ultimate in Eastern warfare. Don't waste all the money, power, and lives it takes to batter down the city walls. Plan ahead. Focus. Get somebody inside there who will just open up the gates for you. This is how it's supposed to be done. This is how the East conducts warfare, has always conducted warfare, and they did it right here. Think how crazy it is. The Dallas Mavericks will no longer play the national anthem. The Dallas Mavericks will play in China, where they're committing genocide currently. Communist China. Not a single member of the Dallas Mavericks will speak out against communist China. And probably to a man, they would all openly trash the United States of America. I don't expect you to care about the Dallas Mavericks. Maybe you do. I don't. I don't care about the NBA. But when you realize how widespread that thinking is across the people in power in the United States, 
you really start to get a sense of just how dangerous these times are. The call is coming from inside the house. That's the problem. That's the problem. All right. Well, I realized that was a heavy way to end the show. Maybe I should have had Lee Smith on earlier, Chris, because now I'm fired up. Now I'm fired up. I'm kind of somber. You know what I need? You know what I need? Taco Bell. What? What, Chris? There's not a thing in the world wrong with Taco Bell. And you know what's so great about Taco Bell? And don't don't write me, jesse at jessekellyshow.com, and tell me, oh, you're eating rat meat. I know it's rat meat. Why do I care? People do this to me with hot dogs all the time. Oh, you know that's just ground up lips and buttholes and, and hoods and stuff like that. So? Why do I care? It tastes delicious. It says it means nothing to me. But I know Taco Bell's rat meat. I understand that the stoner who gives me my cheesy gordita crunch is probably going to screw up the order. I understand there's a good chance he's going to spit in my Mountain Dew. I'm going to go get 90 pounds of food for 85 cents and drown it in Taco Bell's Diablo sauce, and it's going to change the rest of my day, baby. America. Hang on, I'm not quite done. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. I will not be judged for my love of Taco Bell. 877-377-4373. You're welcome to leave a voicemail or send an email. And I'll tell you something. It's been a heavy day, so I have to ask something heavy of you as we close out the show. I want your go-to fast food order. Doesn't have to be Taco Bell. And don't give me this burger and fries. When I say I want your order, I want specifics. I want to know exactly what you're ordering. I want to know how it's ordered. I want to know your condiments on the side. When I show up in this chair tomorrow morning, Jewish producer Chris better have a stack of emails for me or voicemails of you explaining to me in detail your fast food order. And you better not have a salad or something in there. I want junk food and junk food only. What's your comfort food 
fast food order. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. We're going to dig into that heavy issue and a lot of other stuff tomorrow. It's going to be awesome. That's all. Jesse Kelly Show. Newton Group Transfer. They are here to help you if you're stuck in a timeshare. These stories from people who have these timeshares and can't get out of them, they're shocking. These timeshare companies, not all of them, but so many, they get their hooks into you and you can't give them up. You can't give them up. Or they'll, they'll do things like they charge you thousands of dollars. One girl... She got past her timeshare when her mother passed away. She gets past the timeshare, doesn't want the timeshare, doesn't use the timeshare. They tell her she can get out of it for $4,000. She has to come up with a $4,000 check. This is not right. It's unjust. And Newton Group Transfers is here to help you. If you are in a timeshare and want out or know someone who is, call 888-845-3773. That's 888-84-JESSE or go to timesharejesse.com. Newton Group Transfer. They will help you out. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been helping America's heroes and their families since 9-11. Hero first responders and service members who serve our communities and our country. Those who die in the line of duty or are catastrophically injured. Veterans who fought for our nation's freedoms only to return home, fall on tough times, and become homeless. Heroes like Buffalo, New York firefighter Jason Arno and his family. Arno was killed while protecting his community battling a warehouse fire. He left behind his wife and a young daughter. In their darkest hour, Tunnel to Towers provided Arno's wife and daughter with a mortgage-free home. The foundation lifted a financial burden, enabling them to stay in the home where they made memories with their hero. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good. Support the families of America's greatest heroes, the families of fallen first responders like Jason Arno, plus Gold Star families with young children, catastrophically injured service members, and homeless veterans. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. The 2024 election is upon us, and now is the time to fight back against the war on masculinity in American society today. Thankfully, the patriots at Chalk, C-H-O-Q, are here to help real American men maximize their masculinity by boosting testosterone levels up to 20% over 90 days. I've been taking a male vitality stack from Chalk for like three years now. It is incredible. They are here to help make American men strong again. Testosterone. Testosterone fueled again. Maximize your masculinity today at choq.com. Use the code Jesse for a massive discount on any chalk subscription for life. Choq.com code Jesse. Limited time offer. Subscription cancelable at any time.
Hollywood is under siege from external forces. The same Hollywood that sold the American dream is now making nightmares a reality. Many major films make choices to appease the Chinese Communist Party to be distributed in China. Join Tiffany Meyer, an investigative reporter in Hollywood Takeover. Brought to you by the Epic Times, where she reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. For a limited time, watch the first 10 minutes for free at hollywoodtakeover.com slash jesse. Jesse Kelly here. If you're in a situation where you feel threatened, instinct may drive you to reach for lethal means immediately. But we all want to avoid the irreversible consequences of deadly force. Enter the Berna Less Lethal Pistol Launcher, equipped with tear gas and kinetic ammo to incapacitate an attacker for up to 40 minutes. It's legal in all 50 states, requires no background checks, and can be shipped right to your door. Visit Berna.com slash Jesse now for an exclusive 10% discount.